podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombe Show on ESPN. Good to have you with us, gang. It is our week three preview show and what a week three we have in store. Mike Tannenbaum from ESPN dropping by in just a bit to preview the big three games of the weekend, starting with Monday Night Football. Mahomes taking Kansas City into Baltimore to square off against Lamar Jackson, two of the great quarterbacks of their generation, two of the very best in the NFL right now, electrifying performers, the reigning MVP, the Super Bowl MVP. They're going at it. We will break that one down for you. And then two more greats in Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees slugging it out on Sunday night football. So much more besides really looking forward to chatting with Mike very shortly. Then Tom Deacon makes a welcome return. Comedian, San Francisco 49ers fan. So we will be talking about that injury crisis for San Fran. Didn't stop them against the New York Jets, but let's face it, that's not exactly a high bar. What does it mean for San Francisco's season? That game, they're playing the Giants, staying in New York, and all the other week three games we will pick and break down for you right here on the show. So let's get straight down to business. Mike Tanneman, welcome back to the show. So first things first, before we get down to football, I am keen to establish the early season Peloton power rankings as far as the gets up crew are concerned because last time we spoke you were telling us that everybody on the show is is big on their peloton and you you were riding quite high on the on the power rankings has that played out into the start of the season yeah there's a, it's me and then everybody else now we got to draw a big line and uh <laughs> you know i'll take leanne hensley she she's british she, she's fantastic all right Hannah Marie corbin i mean th- those are people those are franchise peloton riders they're <laughs> They're the Deshaun Watson, the Patrick Mahomes. We got to get them signed to long-term deals. They are great, and they should never leave Peloton. You should get into that negotiators. I think it's create a separate agency just for the for the Peloton crew. There you go. Um, look, let's lead off before we talk uh, some football. There are three games that I want to key in with you leading up to this weekend. I want to lead off with this Tyrod Taylor story because it is it's so bizarre, and I'm sure most of our listeners know that uh, just before the game, he was scratched. And of course, Justin Herbert got, got the nod. It turns out that it was the team doctor that punctured his lung, yeah, applying an injection to sort out some bruised ribs. Have you ever in your time in football, Mike, heard anything like that? Not like that, Nat. Now, look, players do get uh, in pregame with their permission. Uh, they will take injections from time to time. That is just part and parcel of uh, the NFL landscape when it's safe to do so. Um, and you do hear things over the years about doctors talking about there are some inexact uh, – some injections are more inexact than others in terms of body parts. I would think, and I'm not a doctor, nor do I know the individual circumstance as it relates to this, but what's been reported that I would think that they would take every precaution within reason when you're dealing with the chest, ribs, and right. obviously lungs. So um, very disappointing it happened. And I think moving the story forward – I think he puts the head coach, and I know Anthony Lynn really well. He's a rare guy. I mean, he's a great person, a great coach. I think he's in a really weird and unusual situation because I think there's a fundamental juxtaposition here, which is on the one hand, when we talk about we're in the win business and it's a meritocracy and the best players should play, which Justin Herbert, let's face it, looked very good. Yeah. However, on the other hand, how can you look your starting quarterback in the eye and say, our doctor screwed up and it cost you your job. Yeah. I think that's really hard. Uh, I, if, he, if it hadn't been that, so it, it's a really good point you make, but if, if, the, if the reason for Tyrod's 
injury, <laughs> we can call it that, is it, it wasn't on, on the charges, right? So he missed the game for other reasons. Herbert played as he did. Straight after the game, Lynn said, Tyrod's still my starter. That's what he's been maintaining all week. But that surely is going to be going against what the majority of the fans want to see. Now, Tyrod hasn't had a huge sample size and opportunity here. But as you say, Herbert looks so composed. He is the future. The fans are going to be clamoring for, for him to start as soon as possible, right? I would think so. Um, and that's where, you know, leadership with the head coach, you know, I think what really happens at the end day is Tyrod Taylor plays. Because uh, I just, again, I don't see how you can do that given the circumstance. I just think the leash becomes that much shorter, you know, in terms of like the margin for error for Tyrod becomes smaller. And if he doesn't play on an A level, I think that, especially when you think about the fact how well Herbert played without any preparation. Right. No, absolutely. I mean, just the, certain quarterbacks you see go in, Week one, game one, first few games, even if there's, and in all cases, really, there are, uh, there are kinks and, uh, and they're rough around the edges in a certain part of their game. But there are certain quarterbacks that you just can tell with the optics, the intangible straight away, you belong here. You're, you're, you're not phased. You're fine. And we see that with Burrow as well, right? For all his raw uh, playing, he just, he just feels like he fits straight away. And Herbert, surprisingly to me, seemed to, to roll straight into it in that respect. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I think you know it when you see it. And mm. I, I scouted him for two years because my last year with Miami, I thought he was coming out. So I went out to see him at Utah. And when you look at him physically, he's bigger than you think. He reminded me of Roethlisberger in terms of like size and wow. athleticism. Like, you know, Ben's a, Ben's a big man and a good athlete. Um, and, you know, it's that rare combination. So I think that um, he has a chance because he's so smart, so big and so talented to be really good now, he's got to learn to when to throw the ball away, run for a first down, protect himself. I thought he made a big, big mistake when he threw that interception late. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, I, w- I was very impressed by him. Well, look, Tyrod was the most surreal injury, no doubt about that, but it, one of many. You know, uh, We don't have time to rattle through them all, but when you think about that, not just the players that are going down, but the level of players, Saquon and Bosa, McCaffrey, Cortland Sutton's out, Bruce Irvin's out. This has to have everything to do with the inadequate preparation, right, for the season because of COVID-19? Or am I wrong? Yeah. Or is it just a freak occurrence? Yeah, I think you can put them into two buckets. I think on the one hand, we could talk about uh, – in fact, I have the stats right here. Um, if you go back to week one and week two a year ago, I think we, we got to talk about two different things. And I, and I think this is really important for our listeners um, just from a standpoint of understanding uh, two, two very fundamental things, which is – if we go back to hamstring injuries last year between week one and week two, there were 18. This year, there are 32. So they're all up almost 50%, which I agree not, is 100% about no offseason program, no preseason. And I think we're going to see a couple more weeks where they're going to spike. Now, the other interesting thing is injured reserve. Last year, between week one and week two, 11 players went on IR. This year, 25. Now, here's something we got to keep in mind, which is last year for injured reserve, you could only bring back two players over the course of the season, and they had to be on injured reserve for at least six weeks. This year, because of COVID, you could come back after three weeks, and there's an unlimited amount of players that can do that. So right. we got to keep that in context. I think some injuries are just going to be freaks, like, you know, unfortunately, you know, Nick Bosa, we saw Zach Banner, the starting tackle. For Pittsburgh, those things happen, but um, I think the conditioning is a fair point, and we got to keep an eye on it. 
I get Saquon's as well. I guess you could you could you could say that happen at any time in the season too. So I hear you, but it, it is fascinating. And as we it predicted, strength and depth might well be uh, even more important than, than ever before going into this year. Right, let's get down to business because there's some cracking games this weekend. We've got to start with Monday Night Football in Baltimore. Jackson Mahomes. It is uh, look early doors, so we don't want to get carried carried away with too much overreaction to what we've seen, but. Is it fair to look at the AFC anyway, Baltimore and Kansas City, daylight between them and everybody else? Or do you think it's maybe a little bit closer than that with Kansas City and everybody else? Yeah, I think it's really Tennessee's in that discussion. Mm. Um, look, I thought Kansas City was really vulnerable. I mean, right. that game against the Chargers was a one or two plays away from being a Charger victory. So um, I think the gap isn't as big as maybe others think. And uh, – I think Tennessee has the ability to beat both teams because they can score. I think over the course of the season, as Clowney gets into better shape, I think he'll play himself, you know, into shape. So mm. I, um, there's, I think it's those three teams and then maybe draw a line. Although, although I think New England's going to be interesting with Cam, yeah. obviously. Um, and I think as it relates to Monday night, to me, the difference in the game is if this was a normal environment, I would say Baltimore because that place is just popping. It is so loud. It's a great, great environment, Nat. But I think it's more of an equal playing field. And I just think Kansas City can score just a little bit more consistently than Baltimore. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. Mm -hmm. I don't think Kansas City can really slow down Baltimore. But I don't think Baltimore – I think it's both really both ways. And um, I hope it's an ending like what we saw with New England-Seattle. Let's put it on the one-yard line, fourth down, and let's go. We definitely take that. A lot of people – keying in on the the lack of pop the lack of explosiveness with the Chiefs passing offense compared to last season but how much of that do you think has been down to to the schemes that they've faced a lot of cover two and cover three teams looking to eliminate that deep threat that big play and force them to beat them another way yeah I think that's exactly right and that one play that Mahomes made to Tyreek Hill is Mm. still exemplary of like what they can do so it's there um, but they, they're to me. It's about Edwards Alaire. It's about Kelsey. They could beat you so many other ways. Obviously, they have tremendous speed on the outside. So their their offense. It's just you really got to pick your poison. I thought Gus Bradley, the defense coordinator of the Chargers, did a nice job. Like you said, I thought their spacing. If you looked at their cover two, was in particular they were going to defend the deep halves of the field, and mm. for the most part, that worked. And particularly, you know, when you take Sammy Watkins out of the equation as well, it just changes the whole dynamic of that passing game. Got to keep an eye on him, of course, and whether he's going to suit up. That will be a, a big loss. With Baltimore, and, you know, going back to – I'm writing a piece this week for The Times on Jackson and, and Mahomes and remembering some of the criticism that Jackson faced coming out of college in his first season, specifically about how inadequate he was as a, as a passer – uh, you look, I mean, those detractors now are, uh, uh, are, are keeping uh, conspicuously quiet. You look at the numbers. He rank, he's ranking second, Mike, behind Russell Wilson in completion percentage, yards per attempt, and passer rating the first couple of weeks of this season. I mean, he's the complete package, isn't he? Yeah, and you know, when, you, when you sit in the draft where you talk about the tape sets the floor and the character sets the ceiling, he's obviously worked on it to his credit, which is, you know, he's just getting better and better. And, um, I think it's going to be such a fun story to follow all year. And he deserves credit because he, he is getting better at the things that look, if you're on the other side of the ball, you're saying, Hey, we're going to make you throw it over our heads. We're going to make you throw it outside the numbers. Um, and he's going to have to win left-handed. And if he wins left-handed this year, that turns into greatness. And 
Coach Parcells, Coach Belichick, always talking about that. Like, if we're going to lose, our opponent is going to beat us left-handed. We're going to take away what they do great. Mm, yeah, absolutely. So, I think you've kind of shown your hand a little bit here. Are you shading towards Kansas City for the win? Because that would be an upset. I am. Yeah. I, I, I am. I just think they're a little bit better. Um, I think it's going to be a close game. Um, I just think – um, I just – I think Patrick Mahomes will be able to score just a few more points. Um, but, again, I think it's a Seattle-New England game. I think it's a one-score game. Um, and I just give them the slight advantage due to no home field for Baltimore. Cannot wait for it. And, of course, it's on ESPN as well. So, as, as company men, uh, we're, glad about, <laughs> we're glad about that. Next up, Sunday Night Football. Two more great quarterbacks. Um, two elder statesmen, relatively speaking, uh, going at it. Breeze and the Saints hosting Aaron Rodgers. I've got to start with Drew Brees here because there's a lot of noise that he's fallen off a cliff. Right, uh, and, and if we're talking about uh, the deep ball that he's incapable of throwing a deep ball, 25% of his passes, 10 or more yards downfield have been accurate this season, just 25%. I know you've got some strong opinions on this subject, Mike. Has Drew Brees jumped the shark, do you think? Yeah, I think it's something we've got to really watch closely because you know I've been fortunate enough to work around guys like Coach Parcells and Coach Belichick, Rex Ryan, Eric Mangini, and they, now, they talk about when the quarterback struggles getting the ball down the field, Again, we just talked about with Gus Bradley, it, the spacing gets compressed. And it just makes those windows that much smaller. So he's going to have to prove that he can get the ball down the field. You know, it's interesting. Herm Edwards, who I had a chance to work with, he used to talk about as a DB, what used to keep him up at night was getting beat early in a game. So from an offensive perspective, even if you throw a couple of long foul balls, as he'd like to say, what that allowed you to do was that move the DBs off a little bit more for the right. rest of the game. So I think they need to do that. I think they need to take some shots early, and an incompletion is fine because it at least put you know the the fear of the deep pass. Because right now, no one's worrying about Drew Brees throwing it over their heads. That is a great point. Put him on their toes early on, and that as well. That would just shut the haters up in one go. That that says he can't throw that ball anymore. Aaron Rodgers, on the other hand, started the season with with swagger, hasn't he? I mean, he's got that look in his eye. But how much can we tell, Mike, about how good this? Packers offense can be given look frankly how mediocre that the past either they faced in the first couple of weeks has been yeah I think it's about Alan Lazard's of the world and you know Valdez Scantling you know what are they going to have on the other side of Devontae Adams and if if they could uh, manufacture production there and and look you know Aaron Jones is obviously playing at a really high level what's remarkable is they're getting zero production from their first two picks you know Dylan was a running back from BC he, he's done nothing and you know, Jordan Love, you know, who's he, right? And <laughs> <laughs> but where's he going to play? It's interesting. You mentioned about a stack, uh, Scatling and, and Lazard. Is that, the, is that the rationale, you know, somebody who, who you know, was making these decisions for a long time for, for teams in the NFL? Do you think that they looked internally and unlike a lot of us from the outside looking in, knew that they had two young receivers that they felt very confident were going to really kick on this year. So they thought, well, we don't need to get one of these receivers because we've got two that are a year ahead of this group coming out that we think are going to be there or thereabouts. Yeah, no, that's always uh, running a team. You, you have to project your roster. You know, we talked about Drew Brees being a descending player. Mm. You also have to say, like, who could take the next step and be an ascending player? And that's just part of uh, managing a team. Yeah, okay. Well, they're going to maybe be big games for both of them, of course, because – it looks like Devontae Adams could be out. Uh, Michael Thomas, unclear as well. Who suffers more uh, out of these two teams with their, with their number one wide out missing? You know, right now, I'd say it's New Orleans. I thought their offense looked very pedestrian the other night without Michael Thomas. And um, right now, those other young, skilled players who are 
Green Bay have gotten off to a good start. The Saints are good against the run, though, right? I mean, they were they were strong against Jacobs against the run, three point three yards a carry, uh, and Jacobs is, is you know one of the best in the business at the moment. So, if the Packers have to rely on Aaron Jones, that's going to be maybe made despite Aaron Jones being a heavyweight, that could be advantage Saints. Yeah, no, it's uh, here's what's interesting to me is I feel like if you look at the two teams right now, here's the difference. If you pull the quarterbacks out, I think Green Bay is just a better team, mm. as you mentioned. Aaron Jones and some of these other young receivers have been playing well. You know, look, I think Kamara is a great player. I would have paid him. But beyond that, like, who really scares you on that same offense when you pull out, you know, again, if you pull out the quarterbacks right now, the group of players, and um, I think you make a good point, Nat, like, in as a group, I would take the group of Green Bay over New Orleans. And I'm not sure I would have said that candidly a, a month ago. Now, you could go back to opening day and, and Minnesota's strongly on defense, so Green Bay's look better. But, you know, you got to give them credit because they produced. Okay, one more game for you to key in on. It's a hell, of a, a hell of a slate, isn't it, this weekend? Cowboys, Seahawks. And I'm interested in your perspective on how Mike McCarthy's feeling right now because after a win, everybody knows 99 times out of 100 they would lose that game. Is he going to be celebrating that the fight in the team, the comeback and be riding on the crest of that wave or is he going to be lamenting just how bad they were for much of the game how easy it was for Atlanta to score on them how bad they were in the first half offensively and think there is still so many problems I've got to fix so I've worked with a lot of coaches in my career there's a great expression that applies here which is hug them after a loss and kick them in the ass after a win <laughs> meaning from a human nature standpoint it's a lot easier to make corrections after a win than a loss by winning that game, he could go in there and rip their behinds because they're not playing well. They should be 0-2. They should definitely be 0-2. And Greg Zerline made a kick for the ages. You know, we could talk about was Atlanta prepared. Atlanta looked prepared to be. It was just a, a, a really very unique kick. So my, my point is um, Seattle is clearly the better team here. I, I think they win by 10 points at least. Russell Wilson, if he's not the best player in the sport, he has to be one of the top three. Oh, no doubt. He's, and, and it's fascinating when you look at that offensive balance, right? Because for the last couple of years, they've, despite having Wilson, have, have lent on the run more. They've changed that up this season, haven't they? Yeah, no, they have. And the difference, I was talking to a, a defensive uh, coordinator last night. The difference about Russell Wilson is some players will run with the ball as a quarterback to make plays with their feet. Russell Wilson's trying to rip your heart out. He's trying to move in the pocket, get outside the pocket, and he's throwing daggers. Like, that's what makes him, like, this year, like, so incredibly dangerous is that he's not looking to check the ball down. He's trying to hit home runs. And you talk about the pressure. And we're talking earlier about Drew Brees that, like, now you're defending the full field. Now you're worrying about DK Metcalf. 60 yards down the field, and that's what makes him so dangerous. They taught, I mean, they torched the Patriots, the secondary, you know, and, and the Gilmore Metcalf. Metcalf, I, I, don't, I think it was a bit overstated there. I don't think Metcalf owned him for the whole game, but certainly did on, you know, some key plays. Is that, is that to your mind, what's different, Mike? That they've looked at it this year and said, let's just unleash Russell Wilson because he's got, we've got the strength and depth in terms of receivers now. We've got those game changers to do that. Yes, absolutely. I think. His getting the ball down the field has made that offense that much more dangerous. And to me, it's coming up what they don't do well. They don't rush the passer right now. Um, they lost Clowney. LJ Collier last year's first round pick's going to have to step up. Mm. And usually we're here talking about, you know, this great Seattle pass rush and home field advantage. Like, this is a different team. This is a 
high-scoring, potent offense. And that's frustrating for them as well, I guess, going up against this Cowboys line. And Tyron Smith, we've got to see if he's going to play or not. But, I mean, that should be an area that Seahawks teams of years gone by would really exploit. But, yeah, as you say, it's not going to be a key matchup. One more on this one, uh, and then we'll wrap. C.D. Lamb, tell me what you've made of him so far. Exactly what we saw in college. Very physical, really good with the ball in his hands. And when you get that sort of production with Gallup and Cooper, it's hard. It's just hard to have three DBs that can match up with those players every week. Yeah, but you're going a clear win for the Hawks here. Clear win. Okay. They're the better team. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt about it. Again, in my mind, Dallas should be 0-2. Are the Seahawks the, the NFC equivalent of Baltimore for you? Are they the clear best in show at the moment? I think so. I don't think there's a team playing better than they are right now. Yeah, yeah. It's great to catch up with you, Matt. Of course, our listeners can catch you on Get Up uh, on ESPN UK uh, and also follow you on Twitter. We'll push out your handle on there uh, as well. Mike, really good to catch up with you, man. Always appreciate your time. Matt, always great to be with you and look forward to getting in some cricket at some time. We're going to take care of that for sure. Next time you're in London, we're going to Lords. Consider that done. Thank you. Lovely stuff from Mike. Uh, looking forward to catching up with him soon. Really appreciate his insight and support on the show. Right, let's move things swiftly along because those three are biggies, but let's face it, plenty of other big games to get our teeth into. Tom Deakin, comedian extraordinaire, making his welcome return to the show. Let's get down to it. Mr. Tom Deakin, presumably reporting from 49ers Injury Central. Uh, yes, that is where I currently am. Uh, for those who can see the vision behind me, I've got all my memorabilia here because I actually might get to play, uh, which is uh, <laughs> which is exciting. You added to the practice squad uh, on Monday, so yeah, you were close. And given the way, I mean, my God, my God, has it got to this stage now as a 49ers fan? Where and did it get to the stage on Sunday? Whereas more and more players went out. You went beyond the oh God, Bosa's out. Oh God, Solomon Thomas as well. To this, by the time Jimmy G was carted off, you were we were, were laughing. It had gone from the sublime to the ridiculous. It had gone to the um, ridiculous, like you say. I mean, as a Niners fan, we're decimated anyway before we started the game. Then you right. lose the best pass rush in the NFL, minus Aaron Donald, in 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 Bosa, and then Solomon Thomas goes down, and you're like, how have we got? I know next man up is huge in NFL, but do we even have any players? Like, I thought Shanahan might come on. Uh, as the kicker, potentially. <laughs> you just, to see it's, and, and the weird thing is, like, as, as we all know, it's about the salary cap. And mm. the best players that we have, the highest paid players, are all down and out. How, how are we managing to, to survive? But at the same time, if there's anyone uh, that's dealt with these sort of injuries before, and that's uh, Shanahan, uh, back when Garoppolo started. So mm. we, we're accustomed to this, but we're far away from that Super Bowl run team. Well, it was a very different proposition then, wasn't it? As you, as you rightly say, I mean, you would like to think you're going to be there or thereabouts this season. I want to ask you about that. It's difficult with the sample size of two games and 74% of your players on IR. But <laughs> let's just put all that in context to begin with, right? So Bosa and, and Solomon Thomas out for the year, right? With, with the injuries. Yep. Mostert uh, was injured as well. Tevin Coleman as well. So they're both expected to miss the game against the Giants. Garoppolo, it seems at the time of recording this, less likely as opposed to, to more likely to, to play. You mentioned Sherman was out. He, he should come back. Kittle looks like he could as well. So you're getting some back, but nevertheless, it is I mean, it's all of those names. You know, yeah. these, are, these are A-list players in the NFL. 
they are and, and they lead by example yes it's a next man up and and it's as they always say in the nfl it's it's not how you start it's how you finish well if you don't finish with the players that you started or wanted to then it, it makes it very difficult yeah it, it it's not easy you can sign ziggy answer you can you can replace you got you know sanu uh, comes along uh yeah. from you know falcons he's wet previously uh with the likes of shanahan who came from the patriots who let him go so yeah. you've got these replacements but it takes time to gel debo samu who you Samuel, yeah. you didn't mention, Ebo, he yeah. was already an IR. And I feel like the NFL at the moment is trying to look at how you use the IR and you don't want to rush people back because why bother? You know injuries are happening left, right and centre. Mm. So put them for three weeks away and then know that they'll be as healthy as they can be. So, um, yeah, it, it's a banged up team, but isn't everyone at the moment? Well, fair point. And we're going to rattle through picks in a bit and, and, and other games and get your take on who you think is going to win and why. But I want to key in on the, the game against the Giants a bit more. Uh, so let's look at the quarterback position, assuming Jimmy G doesn't play, right? Which, as I said, the time of recording, it looks unlikely that he will. Harry, the producer, and I were having a, a laugh before recording, of course, back to the old Americanage days when, when Garoppolo first came on the scene and the old gag being, Jimmy's going to win. Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy's going to win on Sunday. And oh, yeah, no, I think he's got a pretty good chance. No, no, you don't understand. Jimmy's going to win on Sunday. <laughs> Garoppolo controlled by Mafiosa. And it might be the same thing. Jimmy's going to play on Sunday. No, I, I don't think he will. Uh, his ankle's looking, no, 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 you don't understand. Jimmy's playing on <laughs> well, it's, well, it's like Michael Thomas. He had a high ankle sprain as well. Uh, McCaffrey, high ankle. Yeah. Brain. Those yeah. are the sort of injuries that you don't want to rush back, especially on that turf in New York, eh? Am I right, guys? <laughs> Have you ever had a high ankle sprain, Tom? Because you missed our five-a-side game again on Tuesday. I did. I did. It. You got turf toe, though, I think. Turf toe. Uh, I don't think any player was around me a year ago, uh, and I still managed to injure myself. I had one big toe that was was sort of under the nail, was all black. Uh, it recovered. I was ready for the five-a-side season. Been doing a lot of squats. That seems to be what you do in at the gym nowadays. <laughs> Kettlebell and, squats. Yeah, and um, burpees. Those seem to be the two things. But then I went and played cricket and took a cricket ball to the toe. I should have used my bat, but I decided I'd stop it with my foot. So uh, hardcore, hardcore. That's the kind of thing uh, that the uh, 49ers... Uh, faithful would love to hear uh, Tom Dickens. They love to hear Harcourt. But just so on the quarterback position, Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins. Yeah. Nick, so Mullins is, Nick Mullins. I think he's a fantastic prospect uh, that that proved himself as uh, through the adversity of maybe not getting picked in the draft. He came uh, to the Niners, showed how good he can be. Beat out C.J. Beathard, who uh, Shanahan picked in the third round. So, so mm. you've got a player who they trust. He could have been traded away in the offseason, but the Niners said no. And there's, there's a good reason why they want to keep him. And he gets the opportunities to show that uh, without, um, obviously, anybody to throw the football to. So uh, <laughs> real problems. Slight and Yeah, slight drawback. But then there's Jarek McKinnon. What a story that is. Two years mm. out, comes back. Do you risk putting all of the offense on him? Mm. There's no George Kittle. Jordan Reed. You Kittle know, should, a, Reed was great, wasn't he? I think Kittle might play. Uh, he might be back for, for my cast. But Reed, great shout. I mean, what a yeah. performance he had. Um, really stepping up. And on back on Jimmy G. I mean, he was looking good until he went out. I mean, it, once again, inevitably, it was like an eerie mirroring of this time last year. The start of the season. Well, the 49ers are contenders, but we don't really buy into mm. Jimmy G. That's what the detractors were saying. Yeah. I mean, he ended up putting in a, a solid season, but in the end, 
that playoff run as well with the emphasis on the run. I remember being out in, in Miami and everybody was talking about this. Well, they don't trust Jimmy G. That's why they, that's why he only threw nine times or whatever it was. Well, no, cause that game plan was working. Uh, you know, yeah. Jimmy G seems to face a lot of adverse criticism, but he looked, he looked strong. He looked in yeah. the groove before he went down. Yeah, he definitely did. Uh, you're right. And detractors are coming in about teams already. It's, it, they're maybe zero and two, and there's no chance of them making the playoffs. Only 30 teams since 1990 have done that. So I guess there's evidence for it. With Jimmy G, yes, when they played Green Bay, uh, they just ran the football and didn't need him to throw the ball. But that's mm. because the system works. What you want in every team is the moments where you need someone to step up, like Mahomes, uh, like Lamar Jackson has done, like Josh Allen's doing at the Bills at the moment Ooh. in the team. You, you need someone to have that extra factor. Does Jimmy G have it? And the games where we needed him against the Saints last season, he delivered. And I think, yeah. you know, he's someone who has a thick skin. It doesn't, doesn't let the detractors get him down. But now with a high ankle sprain, um, he doesn't get to prove it. So next man up but I, but I agree with you a lot of people are, are hard on Jimmy G but we're a winning team last year and 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 are one for one at the moment is there a danger there's no danger that if Mullins steps in and storms it there's no danger he keeps a starting job I guess Garoppolo's injury isn't serious enough to keep him out for a long enough time for that to be a, a realistic proposition but it's a difficult call as we've seen it so many mm. times in the end well we've seen it in the NFL before where somebody who had the starting position locked down goes down and if there's a big enough window of opportunity for that backup to, to come in and own it then then they can and never look back yeah Alex Smith was at the Niners and, and was uh, beginning right. to roll and finally had an offense that it didn't chop and change every season for him and then Colin Kaepernick was there and mm -hmm. he overtook I, I think it comes down to finances as well Nick Mullins mm -hmm. is obviously a lot cheaper than Jimmy G this is the go and prove it deal uh, he got paid well Jimmy G but you know, Kirk Cousins, I mean, what, a, what a, a flop season this is for him. And he got paid big. So can someone step into his shoes? Uh, Nick Mullins has got the opportunity. It would be a financial one, I think. But, but I think it's Jimmy G's job. What have you made of Brandon Ayuk so far? Uh, unable to prove too much in, in that game mm. against the Jets, but um, was out there. Of course, he was out, he was out week one, wasn't he? So that yeah. was his first game, yeah. So he looked good, you know, he caught the ball, which is, which is something, you know, for our wide receivers. you got Kendrick Bourne there as well. He actually took mm. the ball off Kendrick Bourne when it was going to him. But I said, no, I'll have it instead. You like to see that in a receiver. Yeah, you'd like to see the, the, a healthy competition. Um, obviously, no Debo Samuel. He's the gadget player that we had who would sometimes mm. rush with the football. But Ayuk has definitely got potential. And, they, and Obviously, no preseason, so no chance to really put the playbook into action. But mm. I'd, I'm excited about him because there's no one else to get too excited about, so why not? <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> All right. Looking at the matchup with the Giants, I mean, they've got injury problems of their own, of course, most notably with, with Saquon, and, and their entire offense changes as a result because he is a, a generational talent, one of the, the top three running backs in the NFL. I don't think there's any argument there. And I know he had, a, by his standards, a, a, an offseason last, last year. Uh, but he is still a fundamental part of the offense. So Devontae Freeman they brought in with, with Saquon out for this season. And, and Freeman, of course, well, we know the upside there. But, you know, he hasn't been the player that, uh, that he was at the apex of his career for, for a while now. So interesting to see whether it turns out to be right time, right place, right situation. Again, we've seen that before. Players that have been written off. I think they've, we've seen their best days can, can rebound and bounce back. So that gives them something, I guess. They're going to miss Sterling Shepard as well. He's out. Darius Slate is a receiver I like a lot, and he's going to uh, definitely 
be uh, the beneficiary of, of a shepherd uh, missing the game. And then it comes down to, to Daniel Jones, who seemed to have a very mixed afternoon. I mean, the Bears defense mixed it up and they were in his face the whole time and creating havoc. And that Giants line is poor, isn't it? That uh, mm. Once again, the same old situation for them, lacking protection. So I guess despite all the injuries, you've got to be reasonably optimistic you're going to chalk up another win. I am. Uh, I'm nervously uh, assuming that we will pick up uh, enough points in the game. Um, th- th- That's generally th- how you win. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I, I just, like, I look at that and I don't think it's going to be a high scoring game. The Giants have got something to prove, as you mentioned. Uh, Jones, the quarterback, no touchdowns last week, a couple of interceptions mm. and got sacked four times and then, uh, you know, lost the ball a couple of times. So I think he's got something to prove. But I think the, the Niners, with Shanahan, obviously with the Giants, you've got a new head coach coming in. He wants to uh, settle in and, and, and show what he's capable of. So it, it's, not, it's a bit uncertain there, the Giants, in, in terms of their offense, defense. But Niners, we're a bit more settled, even though we're losing players left, right and center. It's, it's a Niners win, but you never know. You never know. Okay, let's move on to some other games. We've got a lot to route through on the slate, but I want to key in on a few in a bit more detail than just one line. Titans-Vikings is an interesting game for me because mm. the Vikings, you mentioned that 0-2 playoff record. Of course, the, the, the precedent and the, the mathematics changed a little bit this year because of the expanded playoffs, but nevertheless, it's uh, as Ben Isaacs often reminds us on this show, 0-2 is not a great start. That's, uh, <laughs> that's his early season hot take. We often hear uh, 0-3 would be uh, almost... Uh, almost game set and match for uh, for the Vikings and there's not a huge amount to be optimistic about they've got this young uh, defense particularly in the secondary which is getting torched their offense is all over the shop and going into the Titans who have pretty much carried on where they left off last season I mean people are saying well Henry hasn't had much pop so far he's averaging uh, I think three and a half a carry um, which uh, you know by his standards is low he hasn't got a touchdown yet but he's still racked up a hundred yards per game on average and Tannehill oh. who, uh, who is just continues to keep on rolling. He is completing over 70% of his passes. Once again, that's what he did last year. He's um, in the first two games throw for six touchdowns, no picks. And when I was looking at him, Tom, and, and just looking back at his year last year, everyone said, well, you know, the completion percentage, very slick, his passer rating. Great. We all know how the stats can sometimes mislead and, and they can be inflated at the quarterback position which sometimes t- paints a slightly artificial picture. One of the things I hadn't clocked was his yards per attempt last season was 9.59, which is mm. top three in the NFL. So this idea that he is just a, a, a functional game manager without a huge amount of edge, I think is, is unfair and misleading. Yeah, definitely. He he was the guy that obviously Miami took in the draft and and said, this is our future Mm. quarterback. And uh, that didn't work out. So he's not a dink and dunk quarterback. He's he's not like a Teddy Bridgewater. He can make some big plays. And if, you know, Derek Henry is not carving up yardage on on the field, then what do you turn to? You, You say, hey, Mr. Quarterback, could you please throw this football? And he's doing exactly that. That's spot on. Uh, I think people assume he is. I think they think he is one of those players, which, you know, let's face it, Alex Smith did, you know, had an arm on him, but a lot of the time would, and partly because he, he was asked to do this, but would just take care of that short check down style play. And, uh, and, and the, so the stats would look good, but it would create this illusion that he doesn't have that, that edge. He, he can't change a game with one play, which, which I think Tannehill can. I think he's demonstrating that the Vikings tell me Tom Deacon 
illuminate this for me. What the hell is going wrong? Defensively, they are, as we said, very inexperienced at the back, and that's been an issue. But what is going on with the offense? They're all over the shop. It, it doesn't seem to be uh, uh, clicking or firing on all cylinders. Uh, Kirk Cousins, again, may, much like Jimmy G, and there was talk about him going to the Niners and how much Shanahan loved him, uh, running bootlegs all the time. Uh, you've got to know what you're capable of uh, and, and where you excel, and you keep doing that. You know, don't, broke it, don't, don't change it if it's not uh, broken. Um, you don't need to fix it. The Vikings have really struggled defensively, and I think that's asked too much of Kirk Cousins and that offense and maybe Stefan Diggs is is a real big loss for them they've got sure. no deep ball that occasionally Kirk Cousins would, would throw out to him so I think they're a team that definitely if they go zero and three uh, alarm bells will be going off well I guess on the upside for them going into this one a couple of things to, to look out for uh it looks like AJ's going to be out for the Titans right so although last week Corey Davis stepped up and Johnny Smith as well stepped up mm. the tight end so, you know, with Henry in the backfield there, while that's going to be a blow, it is the secondary. So you'd think that the, that the secondary receivers will, will be able to step up. Dalvin Cook uh, against the Titans' run D could be the key to this. Because if Cousins is misfiring again, they're going to lean heavily on Cook again. And the Titans' D's been giving up a fair amount of yardage on the ground. That is where you can hurt them. 5.1 mm. yards per carry is what they've been averaging so far. So I assume that they will key in on that just to stabilize things, try and get the ground game going, control the clock a little bit uh, and, and see. But I, I mean, I like the Titans all the way here. All yeah, the way here. definitely. Uh, likewise. I mean, you, you keep it simple uh, when you go into this one and try and keep your defense off the field for as long as possible. That means don't ask Kirk Cousins to make big throws. You, you keep running the uh, pounding the rock. That, that seems to be the, the, the tactic. I, you know, hey, li listen, I'm no offensive coach or, or head coach, but that's how I'd build confidence back in the Vikings because they are definitely short of it at the moment. But then it, Kyle Rudolph, could he come back? You know, mm. seasons ago, that's the, oh, wow, what a threat. You've got Adam mm. Thielen and you've got Kyle Rudolph. He's gone off the boil. Maybe this could be the return for him. It is one of those games. It's interesting you say that. It's one of those games that you look at. And, uh, you know, I was breaking it down for something I was writing and thinking it, almost at every level, other than the one I mentioned with the Dalvin Cook versus the, the Titans run D, that you can't put a case for anything other than Tennessee winning this, right? Uh, and <laughs> in the back of my mind, there is the, the Kirk Cousins revenge tour. And this will end up being 45 <laughs> points. Yeah. In, because he's yeah. capable of those games. And he could, yeah. you know, this could be one of those games that they, they go off. Yeah, how do you like me now? How do you like it now? <laughs> well, I, I, I'd like you to perform better in the first two games. Uh, but uh, yeah, never write any of these players off. I think we're all quick as fans to say, oh, they're rubbish, they're, yeah. they're past it. And then all of yeah. a sudden we get that shock result on our accumulator and we go, oh, I did kind of see this one coming. But hey, the Vikings need to step up. They know it. And the Titans can't be complacent in this one. There are certain teams that I think are more prone to letting you down in that respect. Mm. Uh, in other words, when they are uh, logically the team that should win it, then then absolutely blow it. You know, the Cleveland Browns, the poster boys for that. Detroit are going to be on that list. I, I, I trust Vrabel and I trust the Titans not to have some completely ill-disciplined disaster, you know. So uh, I think they will keep it tight. And for that reason, actually, as well, I think, oh, this is definitely going to be a Vikings win now. <laughs> <laughs> now we've picked it up, yeah. Now, listen, Vrabel knows what he's doing. Uh, Kirk Cousins will be floundering again and maybe it's time to to shake things up at, at the Vikings um, head coach potentially you know
I can just see you messaging me at uh, midnight on, <laughs> on Sunday going, the Titans suffered their worst loss in franchise history. Yeah. <laughs> Dalvin Cook all day long. Uh, but he's not been yeah. bad. When you look at mm. fantasy uh, points, which, which, I mean, hey, who isn't playing fantasy, right? Uh, Dalvin <laughs> Cook uh, uh, was a safe bet, and we all thought, oh, he's injury prone. I think they'll lean more on him heavily uh, in this game against the Titans. And you never know. If, if they clock management and they hold possession – Anyone can win on their day. Okay, let's talk Tampa Bay-Denver because this is quite an intriguing game, I think. Uh, because I want to see the Tampa Bay offense uh, again uh, because the more I think, obviously, that Brady acclimatizes, the more the pieces come back. So Godwin's going to be back here to go alongside Evans. Fournette was used a lot last week, 100 yards. It seemed to be a, a, a breakthrough game for him. Well, it was a breakthrough game for him because he said he had two and he didn't do much in week one. But you've got that tag team with Ronald Jones in the backfield. And as, as Carlson was pointing out on the show on Monday, they're better defensively than, than people necessarily give them credit for, the, the Bucks. I think inevitably because of the, uh, even last season, the concentration on the offense, how exciting it was. Uh, and, and now with the addition of Brady and, and the potential upside that that has, invariably you key, when you think about the Bucks, you key in on, on the offense, but defensively, uh, Carlson was making a case uh, for them and saying, look, that this is a balanced unit, right? And the, the Broncos, another team smashed up with injuries. So Drew Lock going yeah. out, which means Jeff Driscoll's going to get the start. Courtland Sutton, their leading receiver's gone. AJ Boy in the backfield as well, former Jags corner. Philip Lindsay's gone as well. Uh, Lindsay as well, right. So, my God, they are heavily banged up. Uh, Mike Evans popped against Carolina last week, ominously for them. So I'm, I'm liking Tampa for the road win here. Yeah, I, I would lean heavily on them for this one. Never write them off. Noah Fant looking very good, tight end. Uh, but yeah, oh, Driscoll. Ugh. I mean, ugh. I mean, <laughs> no, no, on several levels. But... I like this idea of quarterbacks defined with a sound. (laughs) That is Driscoll uh, in a What's Garoppolo? What's Garoppolo? Hey! There is no sound. There's just a cheesy... Hey, well, that's... I think there's a kind of like, if you can make that sound when you're smiling and there's a ching, because he's just... Ah, the teeth ping. The teeth ping, yeah. Yeah. Driscoll got better. He got better as he went into the game. Uh, Melvin Gordon looked very good on on uh, passing plays and and, and running mm. the football. Uh, I wouldn't write the the Broncos off, but I think it's not going to click with your your backup quarterback. So Tampa Bay, I think defensively they look better because they're not having to come back on the field after a turnover all the time, which they had last <laughs> year with with Jameis. So and Brady's there, and I think interesting enough is this the last game. For the for the Bucks, uh, Gronk. Where was Gronk? I think he was just enjoying Florida weather um, rather than playing. <laughs> but I think he's going to come back into this one and have a bit more mm. uh, action in this one. They've had eight drops. The Bucks. Um, that's a really good way to ingratiate yourself with Brady, right? Is uh, given how <laughs> how much he loves precision is just keep dropping the ball. But uh, yeah, I, and this other other myth about Brady in the deep ball. It just, it just drives me mad that people say, God, I can't throw the deep ball. How's he going to survive in this Arians offense? He can't. Deep ball's gone. Show me the evidence for that. I just am not buying that at all. I think Brady, Brady's looking fine. I think the Bucks yeah. are serious this year. I really do. There's, um, a, there's a book behind me, uh, Bruce Arians, the quarterback whisperer. And he talks about how you build an elite NFL quarterback. Uh, he doesn't need to build an elite quarterback. He already has one. But he's, <laughs> he's allowing Tom Brady to just 
spice it up a little bit make make it spicy go for it and and Tom Brady knows how to manage the the offense out there so I mm. I hey Tom Brady's elite for a reason so um never write him off uh I will uh move on to the Steelers Texans next Ooh. another interesting game as far as the Texans are concerned in particular because they were another contending team on paper going into the season that could fall to 0-3 quite conceivably. Now, we figured that was always a possibility given their start to the season. They've had Kansas City and Baltimore back-to-back. And there were some reasons for cautious optimism, I guess, from the offense post-DeAndre Hopkins. In, in so far as Deshaun was connecting with quite a few different receivers, Cooks in particular looked, that looked decent, uh, like a decent connection, you know, literally between quarterback and receiver there mm. to build on. Uh, the running game wasn't as good as it was in, in week one with David Johnson, but I think he showed a lot against Kansas City to, to show that they might be able to establish something there. But it's the same old problem. They're just getting destroyed on the line. And this Steelers D and the Steelers pass rush is going to be licking its chops, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. TJ, the what is coming for, for um, Deshaun? Um, I, I think this Texans team, this was Bill O'Brien's. I think it's his last season in many respects, because mm. after all of these trades that, that we question on the outside to get rid of DeAndre Hopkins, I guess maybe it's a financial thing to, to rely on Will Fuller, who was, you know, he looked banger. He didn't really make any impact fantasy wise or, or He's on more the injury prone than you, Tom Deacon. Yeah. And listen, my left toe is getting stronger. I think, you know, if it's not, you look, what doesn't kill you makes you. um, So I think offensively, you can't just rely on Watson to to light it up. And you've got too many issues for me in in, in this game. And the Steelers are going to pounce. They look so good defensively. You're asking too much of Watson to make magical plays happen like Mahomes or or Lamar Jackson. So, yeah, Steelers are going to eat this one up. Have you seen much of, of the Steelers yet? Because it's impossible to, you know, to watch every game uh, in detail. But have you seen much of Big Ben you, this you, season? You say that, uh, Nat, but as a comedian that can't really co- perform <laughs> any gigs at the <laughs> you've moment. Watched, you've watched every game three times. Got a lot of time. Uh, the Steelers, <laughs> yeah, they look uh, a good. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger, is he throwing that football as, as far and as accurately with as much power and velocity as he used to? No, but he's getting the job done with, with Claypool, Deontay uh, Johnson there as well. Yeah. But Juju's in the mix, but he's a decent receiver. Yeah. And, and we all thought uh, that Connor was injured and then comes back and, and uh, they lean on him heavily. Uh, this Steelers' defense is what really is, is igniting them and, and allowing that pressure to be taken off Big Ben to make huge throws all the time. But um, I, I really like this Steelers team. And, you know, hey, they, they didn't even make the playoffs last year uh, and now they're 2-0. So uh, I, I really like them a lot. Okay, on to uh, rapid fire now. Bengals at Philly. Philly, oh boy, Carson Wentz is having a mare at the moment. Uh, and same old issues here as well. I mean, he's just, the line isn't protecting him. Don't seem to have enough strength and depth at the receiving core. And that I, this could be an upset win. I mean, the, the, the Philly are the favorites, right? Like five point favorites, I think, last time I looked at the line. But mm. the reasonable home favorites. But, you know, the, the Bengals might run them closer because Philly are in disarray at the moment. Yeah, they, they are. And uh, uh, Jalen Rieger is... Uh, Rieger's in, out, yeah. Right. Yeah, so uh, I just think they're too too banged up, but never write them off. Deshaun as well. I mean, Deshaun yeah. is yeah, evergreen, no pun. But yeah, but you're right. They are too banged up, I think. And But the Bengals looked, you know, they had a lot of the possession against uh, the Cleveland Browns and still lost the game. But Joe Burrow, 
that that guy it, it's it, they took him in the first pick of the draft because he's he's a talented guy if they can get the run game going with Mixon I wouldn't write the Bengals off here it's not so one-sided as we think it would mm. be if Eagles weren't so injured at the moment but I still think with Philly home advantage that they've got I think Carson Wentz will find a way to win this one Okay, Vegas Raiders. I'm still going to get used to saying that much as I love the fact that Vegas now has a team. Uh, heading to Foxborough to take on the Patriots, a resurgent, uh, a reborn New England Patriots, who for, you know, Patriots fans for so much of the offseason were, woe is me, and you know, didn't really know how they were going to get used to being and also ran. But Cam pretty much instantaneously has, has made them a, a contender. And it, wasn't, it isn't just what he, he adds in terms of that dynamism on the ground, although... Uh, that is showing uh, itself to be a key attribute, really. And uh, as he suggested, creating opportunities for Josh McDaniels to scheme in ways that he couldn't be before with Brady. But he threw for almost 400 yards last yeah. week. Newton. I mean, the, the real deal. And it is great to see, isn't it? Yeah, the shoulder's fine. He is looking yeah. bougie, uh, as Cam Cam does. He's He runs the football four running touchdowns. I think he's equaled some uh, a, a historic uh, sort of stat line with that. Two rushing touchdowns, uh, touchdowns for himself in the first two games. Uh, and the connecting really well with Julian Edelman. Uh, the Patriots find a way to win. Uh, now their offensive line doesn't have to protect as much because Cam Newton can run with the, the football yeah, unfortunately, I know the Las Vegas Raiders got their first win at the home stadium last well. week. Yeah. But no, against the Saints, they looked decent. But I, I just, I'd never bet against the Patriots. I think this is their win. I guess it's going to be a really intriguing game. I like the Raiders and I think they're going to be a serious shot for a playoff team. There's a good yeah. offense there for sure. But I think defensively, there are issues. And I think that, that Cam uh, uh, can light them up. I think McDonald's has already worked out a fair bit. I yeah, think I think they've already they're already on the same page with a lot of things. So I think it, it's going to be fascinating to watch how this offense develops. Yeah, and and obviously, hey, the Patriots are playing the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, right. Russell Wilson is lights out at the moment, really is. I mean, as a Niners fan, I still have to take uh, if I was wearing a hat, I take it off and say, listen, Russell Wilson is just incredible. They're taking on Derek Carr as the quarterback. I'm not taking anything away from Derek Carr. I mean, he made some great throws to Waller, and I can't remember anyone else. So uh, I feel like the Patriots will have this one. It's not Russell Wilson they're going against this week. Someone was making a very good point about Carr being – they were calling him Jekyll and Hyde and saying when he's got pressure in his face, he is Hyde when he's – I think I'm getting this the right way around. (laughs) You're the medical medical professional. Anyway, he's he's one of those players that – look, no quarterback likes having pressure. No in their face but he's one of those quarterbacks that is almost a diametric opposite if he's got a seal pocket he's got time he can destroy you but if he's under the gun and under pressure it is messy all right we've got to rattle through the next so a quick line on who's going to win him we're both going patriots on that one uh okay cleveland washington that's in cleveland um i'm you going for nat who are you going for i am really mixed here but i think We know this Washington D is going to keep them competitive and keep them keen for a lot of games. But I think Cleveland will be able to do enough. And I'm just not buying Dwayne Haskins at all. I'm not saying we write him off indefinitely, but uh, at the moment, I'm not buying it. I just don't think they've got enough going on. The Browns had that bounce back win, so they have a bit of mojo. It's at home. Cleveland take the win. Yeah, listen, now, uh, looking at this game, the Browns have got such a good rushing attack with Chubb uh, and um, uh, Kareem Hunt. I think that they're going to dominate on this one. Running back for the Washington Redskins to help Haskins out is Antonio Gibson. Unproven, but got lots of potential. I think the Browns are going to take this one. 
Okay, I'm going Rams to take the bills down. I'm loving the Rams are buying into them. Josh Allen, that's a whole other conversation we'll have on another day, but I'm taking the Rams to beat the bills. I would like to see the Rams lose, so I'm going to take the Bills on this one. I'm going in with my heart. <laughs> I love that. But no other reason that you want to see them lose. Uh, who are we missing here? Chargers, Panthers. Not oh. exactly wild about this, but it's got to be, it's got to be LA, right? They're showing me enough. Panthers are showing me nada. It's got to be the Chargers. Yeah. One no, McCaffrey, I mean. Yeah. I, I'm, you know, Davis comes in, Teddy Bridgewater, dink mm. and dunk. Joey Bosa's going to be right up in Bridgewater's grill in this one. Uh, Justin Herbert making a start. Um, they've said that. And one bad interception. He'll learn from that. Yeah, LA all day. Last up, the Colts at the New York Jets. Who do you like for that? Yeah. Um, well, oh, this is a really tough game with the Jets and Adam Gase dodgy uh, decisions. Uh, yeah, it's Colts all day. And this will be the one game that comes back to haunt me, but I just can't see it happening. Jets have got no offensive weapons. I love Frank Gore. He's my favorite player that, you know, getting into the NFL. But look, hey, it's not the offense that Adam Gase wants at all. I am buying this Colts team. And it was amazing after the week one, everybody was writing off rivers. <laughs> Just <laughs> unbelievable overreaction. You look, you break down the game. Yes, okay, he had some Rivers-esque moments, but he looked already in week one, fairly composed, was doing a lot of good stuff. And, and this is a good side around him and a, and a well-coached side as well. I like the... But people are saying, yeah, is it time for Jacoby Brissett after one week? It's because of Philip Rivers' action when he throws the ball. You're like, oh, yeah. what, is, what is that? What's, uh, Rivers, what's the noise when you watch Rivers? What's Rivers' noise? Yeah. It's, it, it, uh, it feels like he's throwing a beach ball uh, the way it just <laughs> pops up. But uh, Jonathan Taylor, hey, there is a running back that everyone said coming through the draft, right. one to watch, and he is proving why they've taken him and that takes all the pressure off philip rivers sometimes when you can pound the rock so uh yeah colts look very very good here uh okay we've done it we have rattled through every game i'm pretty certain i'm waiting for harry the producer in my ear to tell me otherwise but no i think we are good falcons bears you've done that one we've done the fact no have we no you're right you're absolutely right we haven't done the falcons bears tom deacon bang on point which way are you going with this well, this one, uh, Falcons, Bears. The Bears have been very lucky to get their two wins. I still don't trust Trubisky. Uh, Falcons need this win. Oh, God. And I, mean, I tell you what, I, I just, I don't want to say Matt Ryan is the man, but hey, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Calvin Ridley is lighting things up. They're going to lean on Todd Gurley for this one a little bit. I'm going to go against my gut, and I'm going to say the Falcons win this. I, I mean, they've got to bounce back, surely, from that. I just, don't, I, I just don't know how you pick yourself up from a defeat like that. So quickly, everyone will tell you in the game, oh, yeah, you, you move on, it's next game, it's, we're on to Cleveland kind of thing. But I just am interested because of this Bears D, which is, which is keeping them in games. And look, Trubisky's fine. He's not as bad as we thought. I think the Bears are therefore collectively better than we thought. Uh, but I think if they can cause pressure on the line, which I think there's every yeah. reason to believe that they can, then, you know, the Falcons are off rhythm. If the Bears can take an early lead, it could get messy. And it's incredible how quickly a season trajectory can turn, right? They hung yeah. on to it against the Cowboys. They're going to go in buoyant and everybody loved the Falcons and the upside there. And they could suddenly be uh, facing back-to-back, uh, back-to-back wins. I mean, I suppose the one thing Falcons fans will hang on to is Julio was so uncharacteristic. Yeah off kilter last week and that just doesn't happen 
No. Um, it, it, it's un, unrealistic to think it's going to happen back to back week. So I could see a big game from Julio. Yeah. And listen, when you've got Quinn, you've got Mac charging at you. Matt Ryan is going to be uh, getting rid of that football as quickly as possible. And that's why I think maybe Todd Gurley can have a bit more of a game in, in, in the pass catching, uh, just running routes and, and just being there to save Matt Ryan's bacon. But yeah, definitely this Bears team is out there to, to sack that quarterback. But I still lean on the Falcons because if they don't win this, you know, Quinn and the so. rest of the team are going to be yeah facing the music. I think so. And you look at the secondary that they they that they that Chicago have been up against. Now you could argue, well, it's not exactly a wild difference with Atlanta, but I but I think that slightly inflates the the Trubisky rehabilitation project. Mm. <laughs> there we go. We have done it now. We have nailed all of them. Diggs, it's great to catch up with you, man. Like hey, an absolute pleasure. Uh, yeah, everything is all good. And you know what? I am like a lot of people, just living for the next uh, NFL match. I'm probably going to stay up and watch every match until stand-up comedy is back. But um, yeah, loving the season right now. Legend, it's great to have you back on, man. Look after yourself. Come back and see us soon. Yeah, will do. Thanks a lot. Lovely stuff from Tom. Saluting Mike. Appreciate them both. Appreciate you listening. Hope that has got you set for the weekend's action. We're going to be back on Monday. Nikki Bandini in the house, breaking it all down as it plays out. We're going to drop something extra on Tuesday as well off the back of the Monday night football uh, extravaganza. So uh, keep your eyes and ears peeled for that. And then we'll be back with our week four preview show. Same time, same place next week. One more bit of housekeeping for your gang. If you haven't already, wherever you're listening to the show, whichever platform you're listening to us on, if you have time, drop a quick review in. It helps us uh, help spread the word all and actually most importantly of all of it's a big fat smile on harry the producer's face and that is exactly what we want to see quite frankly all the other stuff immaterial but as long as harry's happy i'm happy we're happy everybody's happy we'll see you monday bye for now sports social podcast network